Jules Reynard reminds us, laziness is nothing more than the habit of resting before you get tired. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I am your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hi there. And yep, this is Religionless Christianity, the show where, you know, every week we do our best to help Christians sort of sift through the craziness of this secular country, this secular world, and try to figure out how to live lives that are pleasing to God. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's our hope here. And, you know, we had stopped introducing ourselves kind of like mm-hmm. after, what, 150 episodes, they should just know who we are. And then we had a good mentor that was like, yeah, you should introduce yourself. Like, <laughs> For the new no listeners. More. We're introducing ourselves That again, makes so. sense. It really does. <laughs> so I am Spencer. She is Nikki. And today we are going to be talking about our sixth of the seven deadly sins. Um, this one is going to be slothfulness. And if you want to get yourself caught back up, we'll have, well, the, the shows will be in. Um, you can go back and check the previous episodes. We've done sort of an overview of the seven deadly sins, sort of what they are, where they came from, how we you know have what we have today. And then we've gone through the first five to this point. Um, so today is going to be taking us to slothfulness. Uh, before we get to that, though, we're going to try to dive into the news, um, get that out of the way, and then... Out of the way, I know. Uh, it's not, <laughs> it wasn't actually all that bad of news. Normally, the news is just atrocious. There was some decent news this week. Yeah. And because we did our interview last week, it feels like it's been so long since we've actually, like... It's only been two weeks, but man, the world changes so rapidly and big things happen just constantly that you're like, if you don't talk about it all the time, gosh, you you know, it's, it's hard to, to keep track of it all. So, um, before we get all or get to all of that though, the news and uh, the Bible topic, is there anything you would like to say? Okay. We're going to talk about my back still. (laughs) All right. So, um, I brought up, I don't know how many weeks that my back has been having issues and at first we thought it was something something serious going on like internally maybe and then we're like no it's probably just the mattress so we get a new mattress that's more firm and my back's still hurting and then i decided maybe it's just inflammation maybe it's just something just the way i'm eating so i look up like anti-inflammatory diet or it's Mediterranean diet is another like a similar thing. And my friend uh, Becca is the one who told me about that. But I started doing that and slowly each night there's less and less pain. And last night I didn't toss and turn at all for the first night in like over a month. And I will note, we went back to the old yeah. bed that she doesn't like, <laughs> apparently. I thought that it, the I thought the mattress that was too soft so now we got was a causing nice problems. Brand new bed standing up against yep. our wall. We do probably sending it's back. just up against our windows. We'll see. I don't know. It's just crazy that it's taking this long to figure out you know all the things we go through to try but to find what the problem is. Thing to know diet's important yeah so we've heard a lot of testimonies of people who've done like what we hear often is like the carnivore diet i'm not doing that jordan peterson but, if you're yeah, unaware, jordan peterson. he does a straight i think he's a hundred percent lamb 
he doesn't even take vitamins. And he said, just water and completely lamb. changed his life. So yeah, like ailments. Important. Yeah. Infl- anything that's inflammation, it's crazy. And I don't know if it's necessarily the diet itself is all that important. I do think there's certain diets are obviously good and better, but I think a lot of it, like if you go carnivore or you go Mediterranean or keto, whatever it is, like it's really just getting away from processed yeah. crap food to real food. So whether it's carnivore and it's all real meat or it's Mediterranean, it's real, you know, oils and vegetables and lean meats and cheeses, whatever it is, like it's just getting the process. Like once you clean it out, you realize like that stuff is poison. I think it is it because inflammation that's a reaction to something like your body's trying to get rid of what you've put in it. And I don't know, I've never been so motivated to eat better. And I'm like thankful that I've gone through all this back pain because nothing else would have really motivated me. Um, I do my best, America. To, he does, it doesn't work. He's a good motivator, but really, I don't want to be in pain. Like I want to sleep, I want to have energy, like I've been miserable. So I just want to really encourage anybody who's dealing with like arthritis or any type of inflammation, whether it be digestive or back issues, Try it out. Just look up like Mediterranean diet or anti-inflammatory diet, like getting away from foods that are inflammatory. And I eat a lot of peanuts and I'm thinking I'm being healthy, just eating some nuts and like some cranberries. But peanuts are inflammatory, I guess. That's what I've learned. So I had to buy some really expensive almond butter today instead of peanut butter. So sorry. (laughs) You know, we've got our social media links and discord and stuff. And we, you know, we, we are a Christian show here, but we we just want to talk about life and getting better. So if you guys yeah. have diet stuff that you're trying, doing recipes, whatever it is, or if you're interested in hearing, cause I'm, you know, I've been very big on my diet for a long time. Nikki's been hit or miss. I mean, she's generally eats very I really well. need him. I got to tell you but, guys, um, he helps me. So out we love diet exercise. We're down to talk about all of that. Um, we'll pray for you as well. So, but yeah, just pray for Nikki that the diet, and all that just keeps working. She helped me better. to have self-control and I don't eat when I'm stressed because that's, I guess, a lot of girls are the same. You get stressed out and you go for like the, the cookies and stuff. I am the weaker <laughs> vessel. Yes. There you go. I'm I admit it. I am weaker in that area. <laughs> yeah. Pray for us. That would be wonderful. And, you know, if the bed isn't that big of a deal, I'd like to I save the money. I prefer the softer one. That, that. One, I think it's too firm. It actually hurt my back more, but in a different way. Like it was hurt. It was, it was causing different pains. Well, and I think <laughs> what we're going to do, we'll probably use our Christian podcast community, um, my pillow oh. promo code, <laughs> and maybe go and get that mattress topper from my pillow. Maybe to I gotta tell you guys money, so. that my pillow, it is the best. I have never liked a pillow he so makes much. It's a good product. It really <laughs> is awesome. Don't let the mustache fool you. He makes a good product. So um, for me, the jail ministry, I've been going now for about a month and it's been really good. It's really fascinating to be in there with these people. Um, they're all good, you know, good guys. And just the conversations and the different backgrounds and the things they say and, you know, sort of the stories they tell are it's it's wild (laughs) Um, but it's awesome too to see you know i go with a buddy from church who's just a church member and 
then to actually see him sort of in his element up there preaching and it's almost embarrassing because he like his mind is like anything they throw out he's like ah oh, yes at second thessalonians three eleven, you're like how do you know that <laughs> and like whatever it is like rain man with bible passages so it's cool to see um it's embarrassing for when i actually have to stand up and preach on my own it's going to be completely different uh, God will give you so, grace in yes, the moment. The Holy Spirit better work through me. Um, <laughs> and then um, also, yeah, so just pray that that keeps going well. Um, some of the guys that are there, you know, it's just jail. It's not prison. So they're only there for a couple months. So a lot of them will cycle through, you know, they won't be coming back. So just pray. We've got a couple mm-hmm. guys that got out this week. Um, James, most notably, he's been in there for a long time. Just pray that he you know, walk that narrow road and not fall back into old habits that, you know, are, are bad for him. Also, I've talked to this many times, my religious accommodation, you know, was denied from the air force. I've been fortunate enough to get a couple of extensions on my appeal and that's coming to an end. So my appeal is getting submitted. Uh, basically so far the air force has batted a thousand for denying appeals. So I don't have a lot of hope in and of myself outside of God moving in the miraculous that it gets approved. And I don't know that I care that it gets approved. I more just care that God's will is done and that I'm mm-hmm. comfortable with it. So just keep us in your prayers. You know, it's going to be um, a big change. The Air Force has been our sole, basically, source of income and lifestyle for 16 years. So that's going to be a drastic change if, if that comes to an end soon. But just keep us in your prayers there. We would appreciate it. And then the last two things before we dive into our news stories. I mentioned Cardinal Contingency Solutions every week. I'm going to plug them again here because starting at the end of May, I believe, end of May, early June, they are getting ready to run their second rite of passage. Uh, so they've got a couple of young men in the local area that are going to be going through this week-long rite of passage, basically, you know, putting your manhood skills to the test for about, I think it's six days out in the Florida wilderness. So if that's something that you're interested in, there's there's more room. There's There's always enough room for more people. You know, if you've got a young man in your life that's, you know, maybe later on into high school, moving into college, something kind of transitioning from boy to man, and you'd like to have something that's more memorable than just a birthday cake, you know, <laughs> um, just jump on the website. Links will be down in the show notes. It's a once in a lifetime kind of adventure. Uh, these guys are amazing at what they do. And, you know, the the one that we've done before that, the kid still can't stop talking about it. So <laughs> it's a great opportunity. Go check that out on the website. Reach out to them. Send them an email. They'll love to talk with you about, you know, what's involved and all that stuff. And then last one, we mentioned Christian podcast community. We are proud members of the Christian podcast community, and we would love to have you go and uh, check out the Christian podcast community and follow them. You can see they're on all these different platforms, pretty much whatever podcast platform you use, they are on there and whatever you like to listen to, they have a show for you. Um, So always make sure you listen to religionless Christianity and then something (laughs) else, because uh, we don't want you to leave us, but we want you to find more. And these are, you know, everything from theology to 
movie reviews to live call-in shows to you know everything in between they've got something for you and they're all entertaining and good godly men and women Mm -hmm. all right next week so you guys will be happy i've talked in the past about coming up with like our news intro music (laughs) and i have it all kind of take i just have to put it together and i didn't have time this week to put it together i didn't know you were playing that by next week we will not just have a sort of subtle intro into our news of the week. It'll be hopefully a little bit more dramatic, get a better sense of the anguish I feel inside when I open up the news every week. And what came to me is like it. the Jaws music. <laughs> yeah, like blood curdling <laughs> screams. Because um, this is our weekly um, wade. I, I think I wrote down wade into the murky swamps of the news. It's normally our trek through the valley of the shadow of death but again this week was not quite as bad as it has been so obviously the big news that has sort of captured all of american society Mm -hmm. right is elon musk Mm. um, the man the myth the legend apparently he has purchased twitter and that means that you should be afraid apparently because he purchased twitter and the story that we pulled here was from The Atlantic, and I just wanted, if you could, honey, just read this paragraph. Sure. All right. Uh, it says, when people talk about free speech in this more... Colloquial. I knew I wouldn't remember how to say it. <laughs> Colloquial context. What they mean is that certain entities may be so powerful that they're coercive potential mimics or approaches that of the state the problem is that when private actors are involved there's no clear line between one person's free speech and the and another a private platform can also decide not to host you if it wants and that is also an exercise of speech right-wing demands for a political purge of twitter employees indicate just how sincerely conservatives take the secondary understanding as a matter of principle rather than rhetoric. Yep, and then it goes on to say here, the fight over Twitter's future is not really about free speech, but the political agenda the platform may end up serving. As -hmm. Americans are more and more reliant on a shrinking number of wealthy individuals and companies for services, conservatives believe having a sympathetic billionaire acquire Twitter means one less large or influential corporation the Republican Party needs to strong arm into Mm -hmm. serving its purposes. Whatever Musk ends up doing, the possibility is what the right is actually celebrating. Free speech is a disingenuous attempt to frame what is ultimately a political conflict over Twitter's usage as a neutral question about civil liberties. But the outcome conservatives are hoping for is one in which conservative speech on the platform is favored and liberal speech Hmm. is disfavored. So the thing with Elon Musk here is, and this is just one take on it. Obviously, The Atlantic is a pretty liberal news outlet, um, pretty far left as far as news outlets go. But, you know... The idiocy here from the godless left, which I would say the Atlantic is part of, sort of their fears about silencing free speech, like it's obviously stupid, right? Because they've been silencing speech specifically on Twitter for years. 
right, for years and years. And the thing about the left is, is they're always guilty of what they're accusing you of, right? So mm -hmm. here they're guilty of silencing free speech. And now they're accusing the right of wanting to silence free speech. Racism. Mm -hmm. That's always been a leftist liberal um, thing. You know, they were birthed out of the KKK, the Democrat Party. Uh, sexism. That's a leftist thing as well. Um, so again, si or silencing free speech, they're going to blame conservatives for what they themselves are guilty of. Um, but I don't think that they actually believe this, you know, at least by and large in the mainstream media, they don't really believe this. Um, they won't admit it though. You know, they'll play this up, but what they're doing here is simply soaking fear, right? Trying to drive that wedge deeper between American citizens and, or, you know, citizens in this country just so that they can kind of maintain their grip on power like they have been. Um, they don't want their constituents to know that they've necessarily been the ones guilty of silencing free speech. So rather than just coming clean or just seeing how the chips fall, you know, they're going to make people afraid, um, drive them to their news network to get all the latest happenings on Twitter's lockdown of free speech. And it's just, it's all lies and it's just, this is the way deplorable people act, right? They just stoke fear, tell lies to maintain their own sort of positions of authority. And mm -hmm. um, that's all this is, right? I think, I hope everybody can see through it. Um, but then secondly, for us as believers, sort of aside from the godless left that runs the media in this country, um, in regards to Elon Musk is we you know, we should not just sort of go fully into this joyous, you know, jubilation over Elon Musk for purchasing Twitter. Um, like we should be happy, I think. I think it's good news. Um, but we also have to remember who Elon Musk is. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not, as far as I understand, he's an atheist. He's not a brother in Christ. Um, and not just really an atheist, he's sort of leading the charge in sort of this you know, human AI sort of hybrid type thing. You know, he's working on his Neuralink. Um, I think I have an article here on his Neuralink, you know, which is essentially putting hard drives into your brain or computer chips into your brain, uh, which should, should terrify mm. I me. Mean, that terrifies me. We've talked on here before about sort of transhumanism. And yeah, it's creepy. And Elon Musk is big into that. I mean, he wants to get people on Mars. He wants to, you know, he has satellites that he's trying to launch and connect the whole world via the internet. Then he wants, you know, to put computer chips into your brain. And that should be at least unsettling, you know. It is. <laughs> so, you know, while we should be glad that Twitter can't possibly be as hostile, you know, to those of us that hold the, the views that we do, you know, Christian probably mostly traditionalist, um, what they would probably consider conservative views, it can't possibly be as hostile as it was under Jack Dorsey's watch. Um, and I do want to just mention here to not let Jack Dorsey off the hook, um, you know, unless he shows some real signs of repentance, because what he's been doing is just sort of deflecting, right? He's been coming out in the news and on Twitter and like, oh, man, this board's really bad. You know, hey, good job. Elon, hopefully you can rescue Twitter from where he drug it to. Right? <laughs> you know, 
and I just think we have to um, not let them off the hook necessarily or forget what kind of people they necessarily were. I mean, if they seek forgiveness, then sure. But if all they're trying to do is just deflect so that they can kind of skate by and avoid criticism without actually really changing, um, I do think that they need to be held accountable for that. Because Jack Dorsey led the way, right? He was in charge of Twitter from its founding until last year, basically. Um, And he was an enemy of the people, as far as I'm concerned, working for satanic politicians and world leaders to silence speech and Mm -hmm. uh, push what I would consider a satanic agenda. I mean, that's what our left is in this country, is a satanic agenda. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so... and. Also, I mean, hold those politicians and world leaders accountable as well, unless they also show some um, real repentance and not just, oh, it'd be great to have free speech back. Right. Yeah, dude, you're the one that blocked it. You know, <laughs> like, so we should be calling to them for repentance. Jack Dorsey is on Twitter. You have the ability to reach out to him and, you know, tell him he needs to repent and believe. Um, but then, you know, as far as Elon Musk, Yeah, I just think, you know, he does hold views that we support in some sense. Free speech is good. We want people that support free speech here. Um, But he does need the Holy Spirit to move on his heart. And we can't lose sight of that. Because again, I mean, a man that wants to bring AI, human hybrids, sort of transhumanism is not necessarily a person that we need to be supporting sort of whole hog there. Like we should support him where his views line up with ours. Mm-hmm. And that's about as far as we need to go. Don't put all your stock and all your faith into Elon Musk because, um, you know, his views outside of really free speech, right, and capitalism don't really mm-hmm. line up with ours so far as we know. It does seem like something sinister going on and we're just thinking, oh, free speech. But it's like he has a plan with this. Right. And, you know, I know not everybody necessarily is just all in on Elon Musk being the savior of uh, Western civilization. Right. Um, He's very intertwined with governments around the world, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, can unsettle you a little bit. Like, he don't need the money that would be coming in through Twitter. Like, that's... No, I mean, that's nothing to him. It's not, like, helpful for him. So it's like... And that's the thing, too, right? He is the richest man on the planet, you know? And why is he doing this? Is it simply for free speech? Because his speech wasn't hindered. I don't think. Um, so is he a good guy? Is there something more nefarious? You know, it's definitely worth being leery of and not just being like, woo, love me some Elon Musk. There's nothing Let's to celebrate, really. Neuralink and move me to Mars and I'll drive a Tesla on Mars. Like, Guys, we're not going to Mars, down. just so, so you know. That's a different topic, but... Yeah. So there's no such thing as going to Mars. <laughs> yeah. So it just, it's weird. Um, but it's good for now, right? Twitter. Um, if you like Twitter, not as many people use Twitter as you think, though. It's actually quite small in the world of not social me. media. Uh, I heard it said that I think th- around 300 million people use Twitter, whereas like TikTok has over a billion users. Do they suspect that number to go up? A lot because... No, because I swear those same liberals, they promised us that if Elon Musk bought Twitter, they were gone. 
They were leaving Twitter for good, just like they were moving out of the country if Donald Trump mm. won. So I'm sure the numbers are going to dwindle because they are people of their word, as far as I know. I don't think it will, because if he wouldn't, he wouldn't have bought it. I don't think it really will. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but in the same vein, right, as Elon Musk buying Twitter, um, right on cue with him buying that, this Wednesday, uh, Homeland, uh, let me see, the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas testified during a budget hearing of the House Appropriations Subcommittee, Subcommittee on Homeland Security that a Ministry of Truth, no, actually that's George Orwell's 1984, but rather a disinformation governance board had been recently created to fight the spread of disinformation on the internet. I'm sure it's a mere coincidence that it happened right after Elon Musk bought Twitter. Yeah. Um, but Jen Psaki, the spokeswoman for the president, she acknowledged the board's existence and noted that President Joe Biden supported it. And President Joe Biden was overheard saying the reason for precision language was to ensure the unintentional lies were never uttered. No, I'm sorry. That's the giver as well. That's Louis <laughs> uh, you'd be, yeah, mistake or You'd be excused for mistaking those two. Um, George Orwell's 1984 and Louis Lowry's The Giver with our very own Disinformation Governance Board. That should send chills down your spine that we have government agents just in time for a election. Mm -hmm. They were almost certain to lose in a landslide. They're going to be the ones now to sift through information and make sure you get all of the truthful right. stuff. Oh, Nothing man. I love to trust more than godless politicians with the truth. Doesn't that make you feel good? Um, this is, you know, we've been telling you forever. Uh, our politicians, especially in today's age, they're by and large antichrist people, antichrist leaders. Um, and, you know, Satan is the father of lies. So you've had to have been on guard this whole time for years and years now, and it just has to be ramped up. You know, you can't trust the media. I mean, thankfully, we've got Twitter, I guess. We'll see what happens there. But, you know, as far as the rest of the mainstream media, they're just as sold out for the Antichrist as they mm -hmm. ever have been. And now they're just going to be more empowered. You know, we've had fact checkers for a while, which were, again, a, cent or a sort of disinformation mm -hmm. campaign. Um, now it's just basically being more formally uh, brought into the federal government. And I'm just... I will be curious to see how they feel about this disinformation governance board should Donald Trump win re-election in 2024. I wonder if the same news media and the same antichrist politicians will be on board with maintaining this disinformation governance board when Donald Trump holds the keys to what's truth and what isn't. Hmm. Or maybe they will whine and complain like they do with Elon Musk when he buys Twitter. And they go, whoa, hold on a second. He's going to silence our free speech. And you're like, yeah, you've been silencing our free speech. <laughs> and they're going to go, whoa, who says Trump gets to decide what's true and what isn't? 
well, you've just been deciding what's true and what isn't for the last three years, right? Two years. So. I just think it's going to get crazy. Like, well, and this is always the problem, I'm right? When you talk it. about <laughs> government authority and power that you give to the government, you know, everybody loves it when their leader has control of whatever organization. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, especially in this country, we tend to change parties and change ideologies every four to eight years. So whatever you think is some great plan, like a disinformation governance board, very soon, um, you know, if things trend the way they seem to be trending, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis is going to be the person that gets to decide what is truth and what isn't. And for all the people that are cheering right now, like, yeah, we need to squash, you know, squelch all these lies and you know, those same people, are they going to be quite as active and make, you know, making sure that this governance board is fully funded and manned when Christian conservatives are in charge of it? I will tell you as a Christian conservative, I won't be. I don't want the government telling me what's true and what mm -hmm. isn't. Um, I just want them getting out of the way and let me be smart enough to decide on my own. Yep. Um, the way this country was intended. It'd be nice yep. if we could trust our government to just tell us the truth. But unfortunately, we live in 2022's America, yeah. where our government's been telling us things about COVID for the last two years that we can no longer trust. Um, oh, man. Elections that a lot of Americans no longer trust. Uh, I mean, and a whole host of things. So we'll see how this goes, but it should be scary. I mean, this is, you know, like right out of the Communist Party. Yeah. I mean, Again, this really? is the Ministry of Truth from George Orwell. <laughs> it's it's scary. So it is. But on the better news, this week, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, do you want to read this, honey? Yeah, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill Friday, uh, nixing the Walt Disney Company's sweet tax deal with the state after the entertainment giant opposed its so-called don't say gay law which is actually the like parental rights yeah and education bill yep <laughs> um but this is a great story in my opinion um and there are some updates where i think and i don't know the ins and outs of the law but where florida would actually have to pay back like a billion dollars before they're actually able to really re remove this special governing privilege. Um, so we'll see how that all shakes out. But I love this story. And I think that this should be, it would be for me if I was in a governor of another state, it should be a humbling experience to every so-called, you know, Christian conservative politician, governor out there in the country. Because we have so many cowards in our Republican Party. Mm -hmm. So many people that just like wear that label of Christian, you know, the traditionalist sort of label. Um, but they just sell out the second they get into power. And, you know, we here at Religionless Christianity, we've been labeled as hyper conservative, which is probably fair. We're very Christian, conservative, traditionalist people. Um, but we aren't hyper Republican. We've talked on this show many times how we have great disdain for the Republican Party and politicians in general. Um, but like, where are all the Ron DeSantis's? 
Mm-hmm. You know, all these people that have been governors for years and decades and senators and congressmen. And here's Ron DeSantis that comes in and in his first term just completely overhauls like everything. <laughs> Like just taking a sledgehammer to Satan's agenda in Florida. And I just have to imagine you look around at the rest of the country and you're like, what are you? I mean, and there are governors doing stuff, right? Texas has banned abortion by and large and some good things. But man, like this should be happening ferociously across the country. Because we've talked about this before, like you may not want to fight necessarily, but we're in a war. So just because you choose not to fight doesn't mean you're not being fought against. And we need people like Ron DeSantis that are going to take the fight to the enemy. Um, And he's throwing haymakers and he's throwing them fast. They can't even get their guard up. It's coming so fast. And this is the way they attack us, right? Yep. Um, So it's good to see somebody punching back in a more godly um, direction. Yeah, well, for the other leaders to see and to see how it goes for him. Yeah, because I mean, these aren't even extreme things. No. You know, they have extreme labels <clears throat> on it. But again, they're liars, right? So don't say gay law is a, it's a lie. It's made yeah. up, right? Because what it really means is, hey, in Florida, your pervert teacher can't talk to sex and gender ideology to your six-year-old. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I don't, why would I want a perverted teacher? Because if you talk to sex, to a six-year-old about sex and gender ideology, you're a pervert. Yeah. Why would I want a pervert talking to my six-year-old about that? Because as far as I understand, the parental rights and education bill is just kindergarten through third grade. Yeah, I was going to say, it's only up to third grade. I think how shameful those people are that you have to write into law. I know it. Something to protect kindergarten, kindergartners from being exploited sexually by some perverted transgender activist like it's insane um (sighs) so yeah super proud of governor desantis here and the thing is he may not win all these battles i mean who knows what disney's gonna do and you know they've obviously got buckets of money but just simply fighting them and knowing that you're you know, these people aren't just going to lay down for you to just sort of steamroll with your agenda is what we need. Because just to see one man fight should give confidence to yes, more of us to stand up and fight. And, you know, you're seeing this. I mean, I've told you guys to go and uh, listen to Jason Whitlock's podcast. And if you have listened to that and taken my advice, you've heard Royce White, probably, who's getting ready to run for election in Minneapolis. And Every time I hear him talk, I'm like, holy smokes, there's no way he can win. Like somebody that bold and that unafraid to speak about his faith and trash the establishment. I'm like, oh, Lord, please let him win. And then I'm also scared, too, because politicians have a way of losing their soul very quickly. And Mm -hmm. you'd hate to see that happen. But, you know, they're raising people up like this that are getting this boldness from people like Mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis, President Trump, when he was in, you know, they sort of stoked that fire in a lot of people that, hey, you know what, I can go and fight too. And that's what we need to see. Our kids need us to fight, plain yeah. and simple. I mean, these kids are defenseless. And, you know, this sexual immorality indoctrination, it'll take them to hell. It'll take them to hell. Um, 
and you need people to fight for them. So, yeah, just calling on the rest of the governors and politicians to um, get your gloves on and get into the ring. So, um, and then the last point that I wanted to make here, um, you know, we get this misconception, I think, in this country, you know, that freedom of religion means that our politicians have to be free from religion. And that's not the case. And that was never intended to be the case in this country. Um, and we also just want to make the point here that not all religion is the same, you know, and first off, as far as we're concerned, they're all false religions, except for Christianity. Um, but even still, even not even the false or true nature of them, you know, things like supporting Satanism, which we've seen in this country on the same grounds as Christianity and then claiming that like, oh, well, we have to because of the first amendment. No, <laughs> you don't have to. And our founding fathers would tell you, you don't have to. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you have to put laws in place to limit people from practicing that. But we don't have to, as a public and national institution, support that sort of stuff. Right. Our Declaration of Independence makes clear that the reason governments, and our government in particular, are instituted among men is to preserve rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And a government founded on Christian principles is the only way of accomplishing that goal. Yep. And that has been proven over the last 250 years in this country. Not a government founded on Satanism. Um, that's right. That's called communism. That's a good point, though. And then the one last point that we wanted to make here on the Florida um, Governor DeSantis taking um, the fight to Disney over the last week and a half or so that that was is these new billboards have been popping up in Florida. And do you want to read what that billboard says, honey? It says, um, government, um, Ron DeSantis welcomes you to Florida. And then Sunshine State, and over Sunshine State, it says the don't, what does it say? I can't see it. Yeah, it's saying the sign says Florida, the sunshine state, and then they've crossed out sunshine and they replaced it with Florida, the don't say gay or trans state. Um, and this is obviously supposed to be a dig at Florida. And I would wear that as a badge of honor if I was a governor in this state. Um, because we know what that means, right? It means that you're protecting children from perverts. and. Yeah, I would. I saw this and I was like, what a huge win for Governor DeSantis that these people are putting these billboards up that are just simply <clears throat> a lie. Um, but yeah, they're lying because they're afraid because they can no longer indoctrinate kids, which is what's been bolstering the amount of trans and LGBTQ kids in this country. It's been indoctrination through largely social media and different things. Governor DeSantis seems to be trying to put a stop to that in Florida, and I very much commend the man for mm -hmm. doing so. Um, yeah. And then not to mention, while the left is trying to drag our children to hell through sexual immorality, uh, Governor DeSantis also went so far as to pass the largest state to mandate personal finance education in high school. So that's good. 
Yeah. So again, rather than worrying about your eight-year-old deciding he likes to play with Barbie, so he should take, you know, puberty blockers and hormones to become a girl, Governor DeSantis decided, you know, why don't we let them work that out over the next couple of years and instead (laughs) teach them to handle their finances? Um, Much better use of their time in public education, in my opinion. And maybe, just maybe, we could send some of our politicians to Florida high schools to learn about finance (laughs) and not run our country into $30 trillion worth of debt. It's wishful (laughs) thinking, of course. Um, But good news. So if you're not from the great state of Florida, um, sorry. But Florida seems to be doing some big things, trying to support kids in the right way. And um, Governor DeSantis is also on Twitter, which apparently is a free speech platform now. So you can reach out to him and tell him, uh, keep fighting the good fight. Hmm. And then moving on here um, into more Christian-specific stories from the news. I saw this one, and it made my heart glad. Do you want to read this headline, honey, in the first couple paragraphs? Uh, Grove City College uh, condemns alleged drift into CRT advocacy. Yep, and then just read those first two paragraphs. Okay, Grove City College insists it's not going woke. A new report from the Conservative Christian College in Pennsylvania denounced school-sponsored courses and trainings. They say promoted CRT concepts and characterized inviting um, historian Jamar Tisby to speak at a 2020 chapel service as a mistake. Grove City College has not changed, a committee composed largely of Grove City board members said in the report released last week. It remains a Christ-centered, conservative institution. Yep, and I personally think this is great news. Mm -hmm. Um, I follow Jamar Tisby on Twitter, and I don't recommend any of you do, um, because he only really sees the world, as far as I'm concerned, through racial lenses. Um, Everything is racial injustice to him. As you can see, this is his Twitter profile here. Um, (laughs) And the thing is, he has a doctorate in history of race and religion, or he's a historian of race and religion. Um, So I don't think that he should have ever been invited to speak at a Christian college outside of maybe Union Theological Seminary in New York, where the uh, LGBTQ affirming Christians get their doctorates, I guess. But the thing about it is with Jamar Tisby and all of these sort of race focused um, people is so for him, right? He's a historian of race and religion. Like racism has to exist for him to really have value on the national scene or in the Christian scene. Right. Right. At least I would imagine that's how he feels. Mm -hmm. So like he won't let racism die in this country just the same as like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, you know, Sean King, Ibram X. Kendi, um, cause they don't have a place in a racially accepting culture, which America is. We are accepting of all races and religions and genders, no matter what the godless media tells you, we are very accepting of all that. Um, so they'll find racism everywhere. And when there is no racism, they'll sort of drum up mm-hmm. racism. Um, And I think this is bad for society, but it's especially bad for Christianity. Um, So I definitely, I mean, I give kudos again 
handing out a bunch of kudos today, but kudos to Grove City College for putting a stop to this nonsense. Um, but the article does go on to say, see if I can find it here. Yeah, right here. It goes on to say, um, critical race theory is incompatible with the school's vision. This is what Grove City College wrote. Um, with the school's vision, mission, and values because it evaluates people based on their race and anti-racist works. Um, can't be separated from political activism. Uncharitably detects aggression where none is intended and sometimes mm -hmm. demeans rational arguments as itself racist and oppressive. Yes, yep. which is the problem. Um, and then it also goes on to say the initial petition triggered a flood of follow-up petitions, articles, and open letters debating whether the school had forsaken its traditional values. In February, the college's board of trustees categorically rejected critical race theory and introduced a committee to investigate the allegations of mission drift. Grove City College did not respond to multiple requests for comment. Um, so I love this. Plain and simple, I love this. And Jamar Tisby obviously did not. He responded on Twitter with something, I'm sure, on his Substack. I think I saw he wrote something yeah. about it. But, you know, who needs or who says we need to progress in this country? You know, um, the entire Bible that we read is basically about reminding us to go back. You know, remember where you came from. Remember what God's done for you, what he's called us to. So I'm happy mm -hmm. to see this. You know, I've quoted C.S. Lewis on this before, and I'll quote him again here where he says, we all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. So maybe Grove City College is the most progressive institution in America because they went, whoa, we're drifting. We're kind of getting off track here. Let's yeah. just knock that off and get back to our roots. And I commend them for that. Because why does Grove City College or any of these colleges need to move from their original founding <laughs> principles? You know, like when the college was True. founded, if they determined that having Christian or, you know, even conservative values was the best way to represent faith in God and love of country, they don't need to change that just because George Floyd died. Like, yeah, that's awful. He was killed. Okay, our principles still stand. <laughs> like, I just wish mm -hmm. more schools and more employers. And just general, you know, people in general had this sort of conviction, like, hey, you know, awful things happen. We should look at it, maybe talk about it, but we don't have to throw out all of our history and all of our principles, everything that we stand for, just because Jamar Tisby says so. I know. It's like, crazy. Christianity mm -hmm. is not racist. People make mistakes. People can have racist bones and then people can be evil, but the principles aren't. You know, that's like going, oh, well, what about the Spanish Inquisition? You're like, yeah, there were some evil people there. Jesus didn't do the Spanish Inquisition. He didn't kill anybody. <laughs> you know, the crusade, I mean, all the things that they always like to throw out, you know, oh, well, what about those churches that owned slaves? Okay, yeah, evil people owned slaves yep. back in the day. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm glad to see... I don't know much about Grove City College, but I'm really happy to see this, um, them do this. I mean, again, I, I hope more, 
more just, colleges and yeah just another example of seeing somebody do what everybody else needs to start doing the courage and yeah maybe this is sort of a you know we talked about governor DeSantis sort of giving people courage and you know these are things that you would have thought two three years ago like no way can you do stuff like this you'll be crucified for doing what governor DeSantis is doing doing what Grove City but then you see somebody do something and go, whoa, he's actually getting a lot of love and respect for that. Yeah. Okay, maybe we don't have to just fold here. Maybe we can stand on our principles, weather a little bit of the storm, and then realize that the Twitterazzi and the Twitter mobs, they see the sparkly objects and they get distracted on the next thing that they're going to attack. <laughs> and true. they forget about you, right? Yep. Like Jamar Tisby will find racism somewhere else. Yeah, he's going to move on. Yeah. He'll forget about Grove City College and move on. So. Kudos to them as well. And the last one in the van, I know this episode is going to be running a little bit long, but we haven't dove into the news in a while. And there was just some topics I wanted to touch on. And this last one really got me um, worked up. So here, do you want to just read the headline and then? Oh, the headline says MSNBC, uh, Jesus would be called a groomer. If he was alive today. <laughs> oh, yes, of course he would. And then you want to just read this paragraph? Uh, yeah, it says, responding to Republican lawmakers um, who are raising concerns about public educators circumventing parents to push gender ideology on students, Dowd, uh, Matthew Dowd, who was a guest on Deadline White House with Nicole Wallace, another former Bush advisor, dismissed such concerns saying if jesus christ was alive today he would be called a groomer he would be called woke and he would be called a socialist oh, wow yes. matthew dowd <laughs> just another in a long line of those who want to mischaracterize jesus to oh, accommodate their own satanic worldview oh. um, and i don't know much about matthew dowd i know nicole wallace is pretty woke from what i've heard matthew dowd probably is or Nicole Wallace is a pretty lady and pretty lady make men do really dumb things. So maybe he was just trying to get into her good graces. I hope that's all it was. But um, the thing that I wanted to bring up about this, because you hear this a lot, like not just here, you know, this is just the most recent one, but you hear this a lot. And the thing about like who would call Jesus a groomer, a woke or a socialist, if anything, It'd be his enemies, right? That's who would call him that. His mm -hmm. followers wouldn't call him that because Jesus was called a lot of things during his time on earth. He was called a blasphemer or a blasphemer. He was called demon possessed yep. by those who hated him. <laughs> was he those things? Of course he wasn't that, right? So Jesus might be called a myriad of things today. Um, you know, but groomer, woke, socialist, you know, like in his time, it would only come from those who hate him. Mm. So the Matthew Dowds and Nicole Wallace's of the world would be the ones calling him this. Exactly. Not us, his adherents. Um, so he was called a friend, you know, of his time, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, right? Is something they called him. But that wasn't the whole story. Like he didn't just stop there. Jesus wasn't just a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He befriended tax collectors and sinners, but they didn't stay tax collectors and sinners once they befriended Jesus. It's not like... The stories were, oh, Jesus, me and Jesus went to the bar and got hammered together. 
<laughs> what a good dude Jesus is. He helped me go and rob that guy of a bunch of his money because we're just good friends. Because like, he's a friend of sinners. <laughs> yeah, like that's not the story here. That's not what friend of sinners means, though. No, because they didn't stay sinners, right? So right. Matthew Dowd's statement here, and you'll hear this in other places with like the LGBTQ community will say this type of stuff. Um, and the problem that they would have with this and making these claims is that while Jesus might befriend you, you aren't going to stay that way. You know, Jesus is calling everyone to the same place to abide in the same lifestyle and follow the same commandments. And that lifestyle and those mm -hmm. commandments come from scripture. <laughs> so, you know, you might say, oh, well, Jesus would befriend homosexuals, but they would no longer be homosexuals. Once Jesus befriended them. Yeah, he would heal a homosexual if they, you know, had some ailment. And then he would say, now go and sin no more. Yeah, he would be ending that for them. Mm -hmm. So he would call them, a homosexual, for example, to a God-ordained standard of sexual purity. He mm -hmm. might befriend a socialist, but then he would call them out of a sort of secular of government is our highest authority, greatest mm -hmm. provider type of worldview. And he would teach them to trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like the term they used in here. They talk about the gender affirming care. Um, no. And it's trying to compare that to Jesus. Like Jesus wouldn't, Jesus was never like sin affirming. Like just no. trying to compare like this care and love and like being like Jesus. And like, that's not like Jesus affirming anybody in their confusion or in their sin. Right. And keep in like, mind, you know, gender affirming care is the equivalent of calling someone pro-choice. No, you want to kill your kid. Gender affirming care is I want to transi or transition this youth into a gender that isn't his. Mm -hmm. Like, it's sinful. It's satanic. It's you, you dressed it up nice by calling it gender affirming care, but that's not what it is, right? It's, it's the pro-choice equivalent. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and yeah. Jesus would not affirm that. He would not be like... Mm. He wouldn't be a socialist in that. Yeah. And to call him be... a groomer yeah, because weird. he loved children? No, he wasn't called a groomer. So it's just, it's a twisting. But this very argument, you know, that these people make about who Jesus, you know, would spend his time with, it's antithetical to their worldview, right? Because they like to claim like, oh, well, Jesus would be a friend of the LGBTQ community and he'd be a friend of sinners. Sure, maybe. I mean, we don't really have anything in scripture of him befriending sexually immoral people outside. Well, I guess Mary Magdalene. So yeah, he did um, in a sense, but um, he wouldn't let him stay there, right? So he'd be ending the very ways of life mm -hmm. that they, they so want him to affirm. And that's sort of the mistake that they're making in their argument that like, oh, well, if Jesus was here, you know, he, he'd be a friend of the LGBTQ community. He'd let them into their, into their church. Sure. And then they would stop being that. And they would be probably Christian conservatives, the people you hate. <laughs> so like the very argument that they want to make about who this Jesus would be. Yeah. He'd be taking away your worldview is what he would be doing. I mean, Jesus had a lot of followers and not many kept following him. These these people, you know, Jesus is a friend of sinners, but they're not going to want to be friends with him for very long. Just like all the others walked away when the teachings got too hard or too offensive and they'd all be offended. Right. Because even the idea of 
Jesus being a friend. Like Jesus didn't really have friends. He had disciples. He had disciples, yeah. And he had right. those that either chose to walk with him and walk in his ways or they left. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is either going to show up to the LGBTQ community, the socialist community, and yeah. they're either going to learn to walk the narrow path that he's on or he, they're going to be sent away to walk the wide road that leads to destruction. Jesus isn't leaving the narrow path to go walk with them exactly. down the wide road. Right. Um, so it's just, it's frustrating to hear this sort of stuff because they're trying to twist who Jesus was to make you think that like, you don't have to quit being, you know, a drunk, a, a wrathful, angry person, sexually immoral. Don't change any of that because Jesus would be your friend. You're good. <laughs> no, man. If Jesus is your friend, you're changing to look like Jesus. I don't like those like shirts that say like, Jesus is my homeboy. I'm like, he's not a homeboy. No, he's your king. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like they just, they bring Jesus down to their level. Be like, he's a friend of sinners. I'm a sinner and I ain't going to stop. That's their mentality. Yeah, you will stop or you'll get left. Um, So that's all we really have for the news today. We'd love to hear from you guys on this sort of stuff like we talked about with diet, nutrition, stuff like that. But then also just, you know, what do you think about Elon Musk? Um, Is it something we should be hopeful of? I mean, I don't know a ton about Elon Musk. I want to hear all the theories and just, yeah, there's, I think there's things to learn and things to be. Um, And also if you're into, you know, we've talked on this show before about um, racializing Jesus and how that's a move that we see coming Mm. in this country, who I would say, you know, Jamar Tisby is in that community. But again, we don't know everything. We only know what we know. So if you're up on, you know, sort of this racializing idea in the Christian community, we'd love to talk to you. If you think we're off base a little bit, I think we've told you guys before. And if you've reached out to us, you know, we're pretty open to being sharpened. Um, we just want to learn, you know, we, we don't want to be right. We just want to get it right. You Mm -hmm. know, so reach out to us, let us know what you think on these topics, but that's going to end it for us in the news this week. And we're going to move on to our Bible topic. Um, so again, do you have anything to say on those news stories before we move on? No, I don't. I would have chimed in and I didn't chime in a lot. I know. (laughs) That's fine. Um, So this week we are discussing the sin of slothfulness. Um, It was going to be gluttony, but that's too good. We wanted that to be the final one because that's the whole reason we did the seven deadly sins was just to talk about gluttony. Um, So we do like to start these off by discussing why slothfulness is a sin. Um, So slothfulness here. It refers not just to like slothfulness physically, um, and we'll see that, but it also, and maybe more importantly, it sort of refers to slothfulness of mind and spirit. And I would say that slothfulness is a sin because it misuses God's grace Mm -hmm. to sort of help us overcome, to achieve, to persevere, and all those sorts of things. And it's a sin in that it can lead you to mismanaging or neglecting the things that God has already given you, um, which you know, it's just, I think some ways that it can be sinful in your life. I think just putting this together and just a little bit of, um, just looking into slothfulness more and definitely has me convicted just on like what you just said, like, um, just mismanaging or neglecting. Oh yeah. Um, like the things God has given you to care for. And I think that's the, we're supposed to be convicted as we're doing all of these, like, 
we're always convicted. We're not just like learning about it and thinking we got it all. No, we're always convicted with each one. Even the gluttony one. We're going to talk. Well, maybe not you so much. No, I'm just kidding. No, but this one did. (laughs) And it really got me even in this podcast because this is something that is very, very important to me. Um, And it takes a lot of time. I mean, you may be listening to this and be like, what a hatchet job they did on this podcast. That's fine. But we actually put a lot of time and effort into this and money. But I still get slothful. I get distracted and I spend so much time on stuff that doesn't matter. And then, you know, I'm like, oh man, I should be, you know, devoting my time to the podcast. And I've told you guys I want to write a book and I've like gone as far as like writing the title down. And then I'm like off and I'm like, man, I'm being slothful here. I'm running in a thousand different directions, but I'm not doing anything important. You know that mm. I mean it is important in a sense, you know, whatever. Well, that's but a lot of people though. It's not that important. So um so that's you know, just some ways that slothfulness can be a sin, and we're definitely guilty of it ourselves. But so what is slothfulness? Um, we just went to Merriam Webster's and it defines it as idle, indolent, lazy, shiftless, and then I can't remember the f- the website that I went to to find this, but a Gentleman named Father John Evans, um, he made note that the Greek word that we translate as sloth is called, what is it, akita, akita, yeah, I guess, sure. but it means indifference or negligence. And I really like that definition there for this idea of slothfulness, just indifference, indifference. or negligence, because I think that fits a lot with what we do in America today. Um, so as we kind of mentioned and especially in that vein of negligence and stuff, like another way to look at slothfulness is just doing unprofitable things. Mm -hmm. Really just like wasting your time. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're busy, but you're busy with stuff that's unimportant um, Mm -hmm. to the point where you're neglecting the important things. Um, And it may vary in degrees of importance, right? Like you may think my job is super important and I'm busy and I'm working 50, 60 hours a week. But if you're neglecting your family at home and your kids don't know who you are, you know, are you being slothful in the family? I would say, yeah, probably. Um, uh, yeah. Yep. You know, you but can have an that imbalance. Being, yeah. Yeah. And that might be an extreme example where generally you're more just like, you know, I've, I've been sitting at home playing video games for four hours and my kids haven't eaten lunch. Okay. Now you're being like real slothful where that's easy to tell. Whereas the work thing, you might say, hey, I'm providing, you know, so that's probably a little more um, easy to see. But, you know, we don't really use the word slothful in our sort of day-to-day language. Um, We tend to call it stuff like laziness, obviously, apathy, Mm -hmm. procrastination. Mm -hmm. You know, in the military, we call them time wasters a lot. Um, Idleness is things that you'll hear a lot. I know. The definition I came across said a disinclination to work. And it's just, I was just thinking on working like for the kingdom of God, like the things that are important. Because we're just looking at this mostly from a Christian perspective. Um, Because the world will think work, you know, earn your money. Everybody's all about bringing in more money. And, you know, there's even scripture about like in Proverbs just saying like, don't work um like so much i don't even know how it was worded but i know we came across it recently 
like overworking is wrong and our culture praises overworking and you know people are like oh i was just working so much and everybody's like oh we're proud of you that's good earn that money you know well right i mean even to the point where you know two parent uh like families where both parents work and to the point where yeah i mean you're letting nannies raise your kids or like public schools raise your kids financial comfort isn't the best thing for your children like yeah i don't know our culture thinks that like that's the way to nurture your children and like the lack of your presence doesn't affect them and i'm (laughs) sure that's not intentional right like nobody's just like i'm gonna neglect my kids for the sake of financial prosperity but like you know you just get caught in this sort of rat race that we live in in america and um you know you almost feel like you have to i mean we just had our lovely property managers raise our rent 200 extra dollars a month which is wonderful um so you get caught in this rat race where like life here is expensive it's hard to just be like we're a single income family like you know it's difficult and and not that you have to be single income family to focus on family like we're kind of getting off the tracks with slothfulness and just focus on that one area but you kind of i hope you get what we're kind of talking about well i think family comes first i think it is a main part of slothfulness because with being lazy with taking care of your family all society is going to fall apart we've talked about that before well right yeah i mean the family is the nucleus i mean that's what you know makes this country run effectively um in a sense but i mean there's a million different ways that we get off into slothfulness and stuff like that but um and we'll talk about some of those here in just a second, but we do want to highlight what the Bible actually says about slothfulness because it does say a lot about slothfulness. Um, where some of these deadly sins, it can be a little bit tougher. Not so with slothfulness. There is a myriad of verses. So we just pulled a, a few of them. If you want to read this first one, honey, which is Second Thessalonians um, 2, verse 6 through 13. Okay. Uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ... We command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who, was, who is unwilling to work shall not eat. And I think it's like that first sentence, um, keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive. Yeah. These are believers. Like that's a hard thing to do. Like, well, and that's something, again, I mean, modern Christians won't want to hear that, right? We're not supposed to separate ourselves. We're supposed to be all inclusive to everybody at all times. Like, how do and, you keep away? Like, like, I don't even know what that looks like. I mean, I guess if they're just there to be takers. And I'm sure yeah. churches know. I mean, I'm sure if you're in, in a church, yeah. you know the people that are just probably takers. They show up to probably every free giveaway of any sort, but they never really yeah. offer anything up. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, we don't live in a society, it seems like, where we send people away. Um, in fact, we seem to be people who open up churches just to invite takers in yeah, um, and make that our church. So, But it does go on to say the rest of this verse here. Um, it says, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. So mm. there's that sort of slothfulness in working with things that don't they matter. They look busy. <laughs> yeah, he says, such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. So there is the Apostle Paul urging us to not be slothful, to not be busybodies and mm. wasting time. Um, doesn't mean that you can't do things that aren't super important that you can't have hobbies and free time but if it's to the point where you're not feeding yourself and you're needing to be supported then yeah you're definitely missing the mark there i think to what he's telling you to do i like the next one you had so i was just reading ahead but whoever is slack hold on hold on let me pull it up on the screen oh sorry (laughs) all right whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys and I was just thinking, like, to say nothing or to do nothing uh, is, like, taking part in um, a wrong. Like, when you can stand up and make a difference, like all the news we talk about and how you can, you know, voice your opinion and and well, vote same, and all right? that. And silence is consent. Silence is, so, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> you know, to, yeah, to see your brother or your sister who's slack not doing anything slothful and to just not say or do anything um yeah i mean you're kind of taking part in that with them and i think when you and i'm gonna go and say this goes along with it it may not be saying that exactly but i think it fits if you see a brother or sister in christ going off the straight and narrow going into sin and you don't say anything you take part in his destruction no, You're that a brother is the most unchristian thing you've ever said. You are not allowed to judge. You are not allowed to pull people but what away is, from the wide well, I'll road. talk about that That in a is minute. American Christianity 101. <laughs> if they leave the narrow path, you leave the narrow path with them, and you both go to hell. That's the American That's way. That's so loving. That is the only way to love people <laughs> in America. So, no, obviously we're kidding. Um, the next verse that we have here, do you want to read this one? Uh, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. Yep. Don't steal. And then we got <laughs> the last two here from Ecclesiastes. And this one is Ecclesiastes 10 verse 18 says, Through sloth, the roof sinks in. And through indolence, the house leaks. And then I like this one a little bit more. Let's see if I can find it. Ecclesiastes 10.1 says, Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And I know that that's not Mm -hmm. necessarily a slothful type verse, but the idea of dead flies make an ointment give off a stench. Like death is just... You're not moving. You're not doing anything. You're just there, just being a waste of space. Like, and then it says a little folly, right? Outweighs wisdom and honor. And 
Mm. Yeah, you don't want to be a stench in somebody's perfume with your slothfulness being a dead fly. I mean, that's a good proverb. You can really talk a lot on that. Just tell somebody when they're lazy next time that they're a dead fly in your ointment. See if they understand (laughs) what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, But there's a ton of other verses on laziness, slothfulness, whatever you want to call it. Um, And then there's also that, you know, I think it's a saying. When I looked it up, it's actually a one Bible translation that says idle hands are the devil's playground. The Living Bible translation says Hmm. that. But that's sort of a, Hmm. you know, that's a saying in America that we've all heard before. And I definitely think it's true. You know, slothfulness, idle hands, whatever you want to call it, is definitely, I mean, how many people have been given to pornography addiction through idle hands, um, through slothfulness? So yeah, definitely, I think there's some truth to that. Not staying, yeah, keep busy doing good and... Um, seeing how you can be helpful to other people. Yeah, don't just say I'm bored, so I'm gonna, I don't know, go yeah. be alone and Make do yourself something busy wrong. being helpful. <laughs> um, and then you know, I think we see slothfulness sort of everywhere. You know, especially in this country, right? Like we have a massive welfare state um, mm-hmm. to the tune of 1.5 trillion dollars of welfare programs last year. And, you know, there's certainly people on welfare that need to be there, you know, not through any real fault of their own. But there's also a large number who don't. And yeah. they shouldn't be. But, you know, slothfulness makes welfare an easy way of living. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's not only those who are on welfare, but those who are really kind of pushing for more government intervention. You know, like these socialist policies that Matthew Dow thinks Jesus would support. Um we see slothfulness and things like children staying home longer. I think I saw something where like the average age of kids living at home now was like up to 26 years old. But why are they staying Pray home? for are us. Are they in college or something? Nobody graduates from college anymore. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but that's just something I saw. And that's... But is it because of slothfulness? I would bet. Yeah. I well, they're just assume. so in debt from college, they can't afford to live on their own. <laughs> well, I mean, there may be reasons outside of simple slothfulness, but, and yeah. that may be a different one, right? If you're saying, well, I just graduated from college, I can't afford, I have to get a job first. Again, right. that's like I the just person don't want to tell welfare. people that it's wrong for any reason. Well, again, you got to be able to be smart enough to sort of <laughs> splice through the details here and go, yeah, I live at home, but that's because I'm Maybe waiting a for caregiver. a job. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> there are obviously nuances here that we aren't going to cover. Um, but I think there are some things you can dig into that, right? Um, as far as slothfulness is concerned. And then things like smartphones, internet in general, I think has really influenced us in the area of slothfulness in this country. Like we're, you know, me and Nikki included, but we're all guilty of just sort of letting those seconds turn into minutes turn into hours you know social media is a huge yeah okay hours let's go back and check the phone for the entire day no i don't even Mm. have facebook on my phone anymore that's true and you took the laptop so i couldn't even get on the computer when you left but how many people (laughs) you know social media is just a main one right but we see that in a lot of people where that takes up so much of their day and you know, if you look back at 
an entire day and you're like, man, I was on my phone for two and a half hours today looking at YouTube videos. And I mean, I probably could have built a deck by then or something. I don't know. You could have built a deck. Can you build a deck? I don't know. A small deck. I'm sure it takes a lot longer. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there are definitely some signs, you know, you can see and things that we see going on in this country that aid slothfulness. Yeah. Not with Nikki, of course. She's the least slothful person you'll ever meet. That's why her back hurts so bad. I agree. I don't know. I was just talking with... She's also the most humble. No, I'm not. So. (laughs) Well, me and Kizzy were just talking about that. Um, My sister-in-law. How just our culture... Uh, like it has so many conveniences, like everything is like right away and you don't even have to cook dinner. You can order in and everything's instant, but then we don't have time to even like get together and visit. Like even if we're, if we're just busy with work, I was like, why can't we visit each other? Like we're supposed to be able to get together with family, with the body of Christ, but it's just so twisted how backwards it is. Like with all the conveniences to save time, save time. Everything's about saving time, but we don't even have time. Like, what is it? And I think we're being slothful. Like, that's the point is we're supposed to be caring for the body of Christ and we don't have time to care for the body of Christ or some people even for their family. Like, it's like work and busyness, like being busy No, and I isn't definitely think it's the Lord's work necessarily. And I would argue that there's some intentionality to that. I mean, is far as Satan being uh, in charge of this, you know, the, the God of this world, as Paul would put it, um, you know, keep us so busy that we can't focus on things of importance. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the people in Silicon Valley that run our lives digitally are antichrist people. Um, mm. So you ever read C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters? That's a uh, important part that he talks about in there. One of Screwtape's major sort of um plays to get people is don't allow them time to just sit and ponder because when you ponder you know you start to think about you know the eternal things a bigger mm. and be- you know above you and once you start going down that road with your thought process it tends to lead you to a god and to a higher power so if you just keep us busy we never really have the chance to sort of sit and pon- I remember being deployed one time and I probably told you this story before. We had this young female co-pilot and, um, you know, we always flew at night and we were going outside to fly and we just lived in these little dorms. We step outside and, you know, they, they don't really have lights on the base and stuff. So it's pitch black and we're just standing there, me and a, another guy that I flew with and we're staring up at the sky, like looking at the stars and kind of pointing out. And, um, the girl comes outside and she like, looks up, she's like, what are you guys looking at? We're like, Oh, we're just looking at the stars and kind of talking about it. And she was like, I don't like doing that. It freaks me out. I was like, what do you mean it freaks you out? And she's like, just the idea that it's, it's endless. It just goes on and on. It just, it terrifies me. And I was like, you know, we just like sit and ponder, like what's up there. What's beyond there? That God's there. That's his, you know, hmm. she was just like, no, I don't even think about it. And I was like, maybe you should, right. Cause she was an atheist. As far as I remember, you're like, maybe you should just kind of sit and ponder these things for a little while. And so, yeah, I, I think, that idea of slothfulness in the sense of being busy on unimportant things um, definitely keeps you away from 
thinking about more important things and pondering. Well, that made me think about what we talked about, how like you don't want to, like they don't want us to, um, to think about things. Like whenever we go to a store or a restaurant, there's always music playing. Like even in like the Walmart parking lot, they have music blasting. And I think the music has an effect on um, what you're thinking and what you're feeling, your emotions and what they want you to purchase. Oh, it does. I mean, it definitely to... does. It's like a, it is like a mind control thing. I don't know if I brought that up before. I feel like I did, but. Well, in all these companies, I mean, even the technology companies, they all have psychologists and stuff that work for them that design, you know, apps for the way that they work, right? Like they have psychologists stuff that know that a red notification little <laughs> bubble, like people are inclined to click on that notification bubble. They know, I'm sure Walmart has psychologists that work for them. They're like, hey, if you have nice upbeat music, it keeps people in good moods. If they're in a good mood, they'll shop longer. They'll be a little more free with their money. So play a little bit of music through the store in the parking lot. Yeah. I mean, right. It's all intentional. Keep them in a so, good mood. Yeah. Don't let them go and think about how they're almost flat broke and they just need the yeah. essentials. No, no, no. Put them Cheez-Its right up front and walk in <laughs> feeling good because of the music. We are trained, guys. It's it's sad. So, but I mean, even spiritually, right? We have these, like, the declines that we've seen in this country. And we've discussed stats on this show before. You know, the steady decline in church attendance in this country. Right. Yeah, the laziness of just not going to church, like I don't have time or... Right, but they're yeah. not necessarily doing nothing, right? People are just filling up their time. There is no idleness, right? They're just being busy, busy, busy and losing sight of the important things like yes. going to church, regular Bible readings on the decline. Um, and then even to the point, you know, we talked a few, I don't know, a couple months ago, 60% of people who claim to be Christians think that Jesus is just one way to get to heaven. And they claim mm. to be Christians, right? Wow. Um, I think, as I was putting this together, I think abortion, you could tie, among other things, is a sin of slothfulness. Um, mm. Because I think, wow. um, you know, when you look at it, like raising a kid is hard. It's time consuming, it's right? It's inconvenient, right? <laughs> yeah, it's far easier to kill that kid and just sort of push it out of your mind. That's way easier than saying for the next 18 years, 24 hours a day, I'm going to be working on this important thing so the slothfulness would be like no i've got a career I, I have to chase i got educational aspirations all way less important your kingdom than that child right your kingdom's so, more important than the kingdom of god absolutely i know i want to bring up a few more verses because i was thinking on the word work um you know versus slothfulness laziness um, so first Peter one seventeen says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Sorry. Did you have that up, babe? You can keep going. I'll just pull it up. Okay. Um, so he judges each person's work impartially. So there's a work to do. This is the point I'm going to get, uh, do another verse here. James one twenty five. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Um, so I just wanted to point out that slothfulness is a type of work, but it's for Satan's kingdom. Like, so slothfulness is, like we said, like not doing what God commands you to do. You might be busy doing something else, but you're still being slothful. 
um, by not doing the more important things. So you're either working for God or you're working for Satan. So you're doing work, but so we're told to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So there's work to do and God is going to judge our work. Um, not a work of earning salvation, of course, but our works prove uh, who we love and who we serve. And scripture says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. And how, how are we taught to love? Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. And what are those commands? Uh, to keep oneself unspotted from the world and to care for the body of Christ. And that's the big one right there. We're not caring for the body of Christ. We're, we're too busy working for our kingdom, not for serving others. We're not serving others. We're just constantly serving ourselves and just yeah. overworking busyness. But we're, the truth is we're being slothful, even though we're busy. And it's Well, and we've been trained to think, you know, we can have other people work for others, right? This is why even anti-Christ people, they love a bigger government because the government takes care of people. I'll pay a little extra in taxes. You take care of the poor. You take care of the widows. You take care of the homeless. Yeah. Rather than, no, you go take care of them. You help them out, right? Because early Christianity, I mean, we all read in Acts, right, where they lived in communities. They all took care of each other and provided for all their needs. And this is where they love to say, oh, Jesus would be a socialist. No, 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 because Jesus would do it himself. Jesus wouldn't ask the government to do it for him. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's a big difference. So, yeah, I mean, definitely we get so I or get so busy that we f lose sight of doing the important thing. Um, but there is a mm -hmm. counter, like all of our deadly sins, they do offer up a counter to the sin of slothfulness. And the counter to slothfulness makes sense. It's diligence. And diligence, according to Miriam Webster's again, is steady, earnest, and energetic effort, devoted and painstaking work and application to accomplish an undertaking. And again, mm -hmm. I think this makes sense. You know, sometimes we read these virtues and you're like, and I don't, I can't remember which one it was. It was like greed or something. And it was seemed like a weird one. Now greed was charity. I don't know. Anywho, <laughs> uh, but diligence seems to make sense, right? Mm -hmm. And this idea of diligence, I don't think it has to, you know, be in all things. I think it's this sort of painstaking work to accomplish an undertaking of importance um, gets you out of slothfulness. Like you don't have to be diligent in, you know, if you get up early, right, to go read scripture, to be diligent to read scripture. Mm -hmm. Not that it's necessarily fun, but you're doing it because it's important. You understand the importance so you build in this diligence. You don't need diligence to go and play an extra match in Fortnite. Uh, but you do need diligence to homeschool your children, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are different things where you don't always need diligence. You can let diligence slide in some areas, but not in the important things. It's like um, a maturity and it's a spiritual maturity and discipline. Um, and, and the things that come easy are the things that please our flesh. It's so easy just to do what our flesh wants. That's not work. It, it doesn't is take any work to know just how easy it is to give yourself a hundred percent to things that don't matter. Yeah. But it's weird how even in your mind, when you know something is important, 
you can still just find every reason to do anything besides what, even when you're doing stuff that you know is unimportant and that important thing is back there, you're like, I just, like no one procrastinates on the bad thing. Mm-mm, that's true. And it is, it's, it's all it is, it's is crazy. a dying to the flesh. It's just a rejecting or like putting the flesh in where it, you know, put it in its, in its place. It's so we just bizarre. let it rule. That's all it is. It's flesh or spirit. It's discipline or laziness. It's just. Why can't the spirit speak? <laughs> it's so easy to say this and like see what we're talking about it. But in the moment, you're like, I don't feel like it. Everything's about what I feel like. Yeah. The feeling, that's the flesh. No, it is 100%. And um, this episode, we're about to wrap it up here. But is there anything, any last thoughts that you have just on the entirety of the episode? News topics, slothfulness, anything like that before we dive into our sermon recommendation? I always just bring up all these things. Uh, always pray. Everything we talk about. It's like recognizing sin in your life, slothfulness. We all have it. We all battle the flesh. That's the thing is like, we're never going to stop battling the flesh. We're going to get probably better at just getting into like, um, like a routine. Something becomes habit, like good habits. Um, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can form those good habits. We can come out of sin patterns and we just need to ask God for help. That's what it comes down to. Just humbling ourselves and saying, I'm a sinner. Yeah. Christ is a friend of sinners. Every day I'm like, I'm a sinner. I need you, Jesus. You are my friend. You're going to help me today. So that's what yeah. that means. He's a friend of sinners. Those who say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Every day we need to have that mindset before God. And because every day we're battling our flesh. It's hard. And don't have any shame in confessing your sin, your weaknesses, and having brothers and sisters pray for you because we all can relate. Jesus can relate to it. He was tempted in every way. I'm sure there's a lot of times where he was just too tired. You know, all the people following around just demanding a sign. <laughs> yeah. A miracle. And yeah, he understands. So yeah, just I ended on, on that. Yeah, definitely. Um... And just, you know, find your own areas in your own life where slothfulness takes a hold of you. Um, you know, again, this doesn't mean you got to be working on tilling the ground morning to night, you know, but just not to lose sight of the important things. Um, because the beauty of it, too, and I mean, we talked about how easy it is to get lost in the unimportant things. It's really easy. But the beauty of it and the beauty of what God has done for us is we do have the ability through diligence that I think it's last I heard, and this could be made up, but three weeks to build a habit. So really, if you can just be diligent to something for three weeks to where it becomes a habit, then it almost becomes autopilot. You know, for people that have done the same things for year after, you know, the way I eat and exercise and stuff is almost habit anymore. Um, so God has given us mechanisms to make some things a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Um, doesn't necessarily make it super easy, but if you, you don't have to say, I have to grind my teeth and be diligent for the rest of my life to read scripture. No, you got to do it for a little bit and then it'll become normal and it'll become habit. And then the day will come where you'll forget to do it and you'll be like, oh man, now this weighs, I mean, I got to get back and I got to go read some scripture real quick. Like mm -hmm. I can't let this slip. And right. it, you will build that muscle memory, that spiritual yes. muscle memory of a sort. So 
Slothfulness is going to try to take you away from that. If you can fight against it, pray, cry out to God for just a little bit, he'll build those habit patterns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll overcome in some sense, yeah. not fully, not till we get out. Yeah. But we're to die to the flesh bag. and we're to be holy as he is holy. Yep. And he's, he begins that work in this life. He will. It starts now. <laughs> and uh, our sermon recommendation for this week, we have, I think, recommended Legacy Church before, Pastor Smotherman. And this is sort of on the, in the vein of laziness, um, in a sense. So Pastor Smotherman, big fan, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, really like the way that he preaches his delivery. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite thing about Pastor Smotherman um, is he's unafraid. He's mm-hmm. the a Governor DeSantis of preachers. Yeah, because he said things that are offensive, and he knew he was going to lose a bunch of of um, church members, and he did. But then he gained all the right ones. Well, and he's in a pretty godless state, yeah. run by a pretty godless governor. And there's st- I just saw an email come across from like the new COVID policy in New Mexico. And I was like, good night. They're still dealing with new COVID. policies. Oh, man. And he's been fighting this since day one. So Gosh. go give it a listen. If you find it mm. worthwhile, give him a like. Maybe consider subscribing. I'm sure Legacy Church would appreciate it. But otherwise, that is all we got for you guys. We'll be back on Monday with our devotionals. Nikki is contributing now with a couple daily devotionals that are really good. So if you want, they're the same style, but, you know, she thinks about things differently than me. So it's just a different take, Um, working through a different book of the Bible, different things that are popping up in her life. So go give those a listen. I can't guarantee what day hers are going to be out, um, but they'll be out (laughs) twice a week. We know that. So... Uh, yeah, go give us uh, give us a listen, subscribe, review, like, share, all that sort of stuff. But anyways, <laughs> see you guys again on Monday. God bless. <laughs>